Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excelius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Our goal is to connect you with real people, with real stories, on how they think about bravery in the workplace, and examples on how they have demonstrated bravery in the workplace, all with the goal of helping you do the same. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September of 2020. I'm really excited to continue our conversation this week with Lori Schloff. Lori is a leadership coach, executive coach, and presentation skills coach, and she's sharing with us some of the experiences that she has had with clients in the past, as well as some thoughts and ideas on how you can be braver in doing public speaking. Let's continue our conversation with Lori. Well, let's just recap the reasons that you said, you know, just most commonly that people fear public speaking. One is anthropological. The second is reticency. The third is a bad experience. Were there any others or are those kind of the big three? Well, there are people who believe that role models, let's say people on TV, let's say you're partner is someone who's extremely fluent, that trying to live up to perfect standards can also trigger a feeling like, geez, you know, I'm not going to go in front of people. I'll ask Joe Schmo because, you know, he's a lot better than me. So I guess that goes into perfectionism and also expectations. Folks, be aware, many people who come across well in TV, certainly, you know, in in a movie or something, guess what? They have a script. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now, can I say something that is true? Each of us has different talents. Some of us are gifted. 0.5% of the population is gifted in something, be it music, be it art, be it public speaking. Yes. Are there people who are gifted? Yeah, there are. It's 0.5% of the population who can get up anywhere and give a talk. Lori, I'd love to switch the focus of our conversation from the reasons for being afraid or having a fear of speaking, four that you've mentioned, anthropological reticency, bad experience, and role models. And I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about some of the approaches, right? Some of the things that people can do, even if it's practice, because I'm a big believer that it's not like flicking a switch and as soon as you heard it, you can suddenly do it. You know, sometimes it takes practice. You know, what are some things that people can do a little bit differently to be more comfortable speaking publicly? Right. And you're bringing up a good point. And you know this as a coach, that different people have different types of momentum in terms of, you know, how much intensity they need. So I want to focus on uh, what I call the three C's. Number one, helping people to be more comfortable. And I mean that literally physically. We know that the fear of speaking most of the time has physical components. And guess what? We have all been there. The heart feeling like it's jumping out of our skin, sweaty palms, uh, feeling cold. The weirdest one is feeling like an out-of-body experience. They call it depersonalizing. You just feel uh, very, very strange. And then 
there are some symptoms that show. Your heart beating fast doesn't show, but certainly shaking shows, mm-hmm. shaking hands, shaking knees. What about shaky voice? And you know, it's tough. Uh, my blushing clients, there's actually a name for the fear of blushing. It's called erythrophobia, which is not uh, the fear of Aretha Franklin, but the, <laughs> the fear of turning red. And I think you've probably seen this. The fear of speaking then turns into the fear of blushing. <laughs> yep. You know, so it, it can be a vicious cycle. So physical comfort. Second is thinking confidently, having a mindset that allows you to cut yourself some slack and to be kind to yourself, even about the nervousness. So it's that cognitive approach, what you say to yourself. So I might say, even though I'm nervous about the podcast, I'm prepared and could do a good job. Even though I flubbed up and the technology broke down as well, I have the ability to recover and laugh a little bit at the situation. So I'm sure we can all relate to having a mindset that makes it worse or a mindset that, you know, helps us to succeed. So I have clients write down what are their thoughts in a given week about speaking at meetings. And usually they're very catastrophic. Like I'm not going to speak up because the boss will think I'm an idiot. And then maybe when we work on more helpful sentences they could say to themselves. They might say something like, even if it doesn't come out perfectly, the manager has said that he does appreciate it when people contribute in a group. The third area is what I call connection. What can each of us do to feel more natural and like ourselves? And I often say to my female clients, you know, it's not the time to wear your new shoes. The big talk is not the time to wear your new shoes, which is sort of a metaphor for don't change your act. Mm-hmm. Don't change your act. If you wouldn't say something, if you would never tell a funny story, for God's sakes, don't tell a funny story the first time you're out in front of people. What do you do to connect? I'll give you a simple simple one people like. Arrive early to a meeting or to a talk and make small talk with some of the people in the audience. Why? That gives you a feeling of connection. So can I put it back on you? What, what do you do to get comfortable before a speaking engagement or a meeting? Thank you, Lori. I think this is the first question that I've ever been asked on a podcast. So <laughs> you get that honor. So I do two things. Anytime that I can, I go to the site at which I will be speaking in advance. So yeah. if I can go a few days before... Uh, the day before, you know, I just want to get a feel for the room, the technological layout. There's always a technical problem. So I've come to believe that, you know, nine times out of 10, regardless of the size of the company, there's going to be some type of technical issue. So I want to work all that out in advance of presenting and get a sense of the room, et cetera. And then, you know, similar to what you were just mentioning, I always get there early. So if I'm going to be Speaking at 11, I, you know, I get there at 10 and I tell the host if there is one, yeah, I'm going to get there a little bit early. If you're having an all-day meeting, I'd love to come and sit in for part of the meeting so I can connect and hear what you guys are talking about a little bit deeper. But you know, those are two things, you know, Lori, that I do that I believe help me for when I get up in front of the room to talk. I already have a sense of the room and I have a sense of what is important to the group based on sitting in or listening to topic that they've been talking about. And I can see if we go back to the three C's, it helps you to be obviously more comfortable. And frankly, 
when people arrive the minute before, you know, your heart rate and stuff is going. Oh, definitely. And also you may not look so hot. So I'm also hearing that what you do adds to your mindset of feeling in control, knowing the room, meeting some of the people or the host, which also involves connection. You also had visit to the website of your client, which really helps you to understand their world, which is a form of connection. Well, if I'm speaking to a group about a particular topic, I believe that topic is embedded in their organization because that's why I'm there. And so it's a winner comment to say during my talk, you know, as Lori said this morning about X, Y, or Z and connecting it to things they've already talked about, it just adds depth to whatever it is that you're saying. If you come in one minute before and you're completely ignorant as to what anything that anybody has been talking about that day and do your talk and then leave, you know, you're going to feel a little bit like a puzzle piece that didn't fit, right? They came in, they talked and left. But if you go a little bit earlier and you can hear some of the things that are stressing them or that are important to them as an organization, you can weave that into simply your comments. And now you're a puzzle piece that fits. Absolutely. That's an interesting way to put it. So you feel, and they, the audience feels, that you're connected. So there's that connection again. And I'm also hearing, guess what? You have to work at these things. (laughs) You do. You know, the website is not in your head. You have to go explore. I, In fact, I'd say I always talk to the person who's going to interview me. Always. In fact, sometimes it's a lengthy conversation of needs assessment to figure out what exactly they want in terms of content and format. Yeah. The last thing that I do that you mentioned, and I just want to echo it for our listeners, is anytime that I'm giving a talk and there are opportunities before I speak to meet people, I always work the room and I go around and I say hello and I tell people my name. I might ask them what they do. I try really, really hard to remember names because, again, that's a great puzzle piece activity to say, gee, I was talking to Lori a little bit earlier and she mentioned X, Y, or Z. And they just feel as though you're more embedded in what they're doing. So this behavior of you know, don't get there a minute earlier, rush in and present and leave, but get there sooner. Hopefully you'll be there before the meeting starts, or hopefully you'll be there during a break and you can spend that time simply introducing yourself. You know, so much of what we work on, Lori, as coaches conceptually sounds easy, but are hard to do, right? So saying meet people conceptually sounds really easy, and yet people just don't do it as much as we would think they would. Right. And so we all have to working with a coach and working with yourself, develop a strategy that works for you. So, you know, you've come up with your formula. You know, it may not have happened the first time, but over time you realized, and I do the same thing, that arriving early, and actually two things, the physical setup of the room. And I think I, frankly, have annoyed some clients. I change chairs around. I don't want someone sitting a half inch from me you know, make sure that the projector or whatever it is, is, you know, in the right place. But, you know, it's almost like I need to do what I need to do in order to be good for the client. And then, you know, for many people, for you and I, chit-chatting just a little bit helps us feel like we're more like ourselves and also helps the people listening to sort of see us as a human being rather than the speaker, the invited guest. And not to digress, I just want to mention something quickly, and then we'll 
get back on topic, I also go earlier because nine times out of 10, there is a problem with the technology setup. And, you know, you bring a laptop or a USB drive and something doesn't fit or they don't have the right connection. I've gone to Staples and I've bought the connections and I go earlier because I want to ensure that the day I show up to talk, I plug myself in and I go. I have seen, as I'm sure you have seen, presenters come in maybe at the last minute and they go to hook up their technology and it doesn't work, right, for some technical reason. Now we're delayed and now it's awkward and that all could have been solved if you went just a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's not really cool. You know, in this day and age of Zoom and all that, sometimes you can't help it and then you have to learn how to handle a glitch diplomatically. But this whole idea of knowing what can go wrong without being crazy about it and fixing it when you can is a way totally to build confidence and control. Yeah, and to be braver. So Lori, as we're ending our conversation, I know you have written some books and have created some presentations on overcoming a fear of speaking, et cetera. I'd love to hear you talk just a little bit about the work that you focused on in the past. Sure. I'll talk about my writing. So my writing is something that I love doing, but just like a lot of people, when I'm busy with my everyday coaching, I don't always get around to it. So let me tell you about my two books that I wrote a while ago, and I'm proud to say I was on a lot of TV shows, including Oprah, which is a whole other story. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She had a show called I Don't Like My Voice. I don't like my voice. And she had me on as an expert to fix people in about 20 seconds each. (laughs) Hey, you know, quick coaching. That's right. You got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Exactly. I tried my best. So my first book is called Smart Speaking, as opposed to not so smart, dumb speaking. So smart speaking. A lot of chapters about nervousness, meetings handling your audience in challenging situations. And I'm a speech geek, meaning I studied speech. So accent, your voice. I was just reading how showing enthusiasm is one of the key indicators of influence. Yet I have a lot of clients who feel like talking like this at a good speed and showing dynamism makes them feel awkward. So sometimes we you know, have to help them to realize the audience likes that. My second book is called He and She Talk. It focuses on male-female communication, again, in a short chapter method. The one I'm most excited about now, Ed, because it's brand new, something different than I ever did before, and I'm quite sure it's one of a kind. It's a totally online course. It features me on video, but mostly it's a game-like format that helps you to go from one level to the other in conquering your fear of speaking. The name of it is Conquer Your Fear of Speaking, and I'll send you the link. I'm just launching it, and not to talk business so much, but there's a special introductory offer, meaning it's really, really cost-effective and inexpensive. It focuses on the three Cs, feeling comfortable, thinking confidently and making a connection. And you'll feel proud when you finish it. Wow, terrific. Well, it sounds fantastic. And I will definitely take a peek. I like that metaphor of going up a level because some people think they have to go from beginning to finish as if they're Oprah. 
But oftentimes, if you level it and practice, you'll go from A to B to C to D, right? You'll work your way up mm -hmm. versus feeling like you have to be like that role model that you saw that you think you have to be just like. So, Lori, thank you so much for your time today. This was great. I love this conversation. Do you have any ways that folks can get in touch with you if they'd like to talk to you a little bit more about overcoming their fear of speaking? Sure. Would you like me to give the website and also my phone number? What works for the, your listeners? Whatever is easiest and most comfortable for you as to how people can get you. Yeah. First, I'll say my phone number because my daughter, who's in her 20s, has told me that I have the longest email address she's ever heard. So <laughs> what can I say? All righty. I'm going to say my phone number twice, which is the easiest. And the reason I like it, Ed, is because it's verbal. I want to hear, for, literally hear the person. Uh, 617-571-0944. I'll say it faster this time. 617-571-0944. My website is Partners in Communication, Inc., I-N-C, partnersincommunicationinc.com. And... You know something? I need to get you the link to my new Conquer Your Fear of Speaking program. I'll do that. Terrific. Well, Lori, thank you again for your time today. I think the points that you shared and your insights are deeply, deeply meaningful. So thank you again. My pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore Being Brave at Work. We also welcome you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are in endless places. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September 2020. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.